This was really powerful to me because I think many times for men, we are coming to the hospital, but in the pulpit, we don't know how to treat the complications that are going on in men. So we give feminine catered messages. We only talk about fathers on Father's Day. But then if we're going to be on our kingdom vibes only, we have to deal with the person that God is going to call first, Adam. Does this make sense? So I had to call in some backup surgeons because we're going to deal with some complications on tonight. Is it all right if we do that? Y'all introduce yourselves. Introduce yourselves. Don't matter who go first. Don't be shy. Will, you look like you're ready. You're pulling your collar. <laughs> I'm Will Jackson. Uh, so I'm just excited. I'm excited uh, to be here. And I believe that this moment is orchestrated for a release of identity that has been trapped in places of trauma, hurt. And we've shouted over it. We've danced over it. We've dapped over it. We've, we've cried and rolled over the floor. And I'm just excited because I believe this is a space for an encounter. We've had a lot of experiences with God, right? Where we come and we shout, we dance, we have great praise and worship, but we leave the same way. Nobody has ever had an encounter and yeah. left the same. Oh. So I'm just excited, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, I don't got nothing to say after he spoke with that heavy First voice. First of all. <laughs> <laughs> said everything that needed to be said. My name is Ezekiel. How y'all doing? Amen. You said enough already. That's what, you that's you what said I'm, enough. That's what I'm saying. He comes up here with this dope poetry, right? You know, don't nobody want to come after that. And then he come up Barry White on him. You know, he got the, he got the deep voice. Everybody is not, everybody's at attention when he talks, you know. And then I come with this soft voice talking about, hey, y'all, my name is Isaac. What's up, family? What's up? What's up, Ken? It's good to see y'all. I'm glad to be back here with you all. So I'm looking forward uh, to tonight. I had the luxury and the pleasure to meet these two gentlemen for the first time in the back. And this is not um, for show. Back there, something even happened back there. And um, so I know that that just is a foreshadowing of what's about to happen right now. And so when God is about to move, it's best that we consecrate ourselves and prepare ourselves to receive um, what he has for us on today and uh, I'm extremely grateful. Yeah, and I'm excited too because I, I told my wife, I said, I want them to see that kingdom men come in all different shapes and sizes. Yeah. We got button downs, we got a, hood with, a hoodie with Jordans on, <laughs> we got a spoken word, then we have Isaac GQ with the blazer, all shapes and sizes. And she was like, okay, we need somebody single. William is single. I don't know if you like single, single, though. Are you nah, like? I, I'm not single, single. Like, oh, he's I'm, not yeah, single, yeah, single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but just I ain't married to, yet. Because everybody said, all kingdom men married. Well. You're not married yet. So we're going to have like a well-rounded <laughs> discussion. So uh, if you would, Will, just open us up in prayer, man. Let's start this conversation. Devil of Father God, we thank you. We honor you for this moment. God, we just, we bless you for an opportunity that you created before the foundations of the earth. Yeah. The fact that you thought about us when you were creating heaven and earth, so much so that you planted a space in time for us to hear you, for us to be released into a trajectory of promise 
release from trauma, release from hurt, release from pain, release from the things that we've been hiding, that we thought that we were hiding from you, that we thought that we were hiding from ourselves, the things that we refused to address, the things that we even tried to protect. God, we just thank you for a space where we can come to you open and you are faithful and just to not only forgive, but to heal, to deliver, and to transform. Yes. So Holy Spirit, we give you free reign. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, however you want to move, God, we are open to you and we accept your deliverance. We participate in our own deliverance and we are excited about what you're about to do in this place and this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can I say something real Go quick? Go ahead, bro. What is, what is powerful about this moment is that neither of us three have any idea what he's about to ask or what's going to go on. We, don't have, we didn't prepare any questions, didn't prepare anything, so I know that God is about to do something because this is not rehearsed or pre-rehearsed, so um, yeah. you get it. Absolutely. Um, there's something that I would like to share that has been just beating on my heart, and then the conversation that we had when you were speaking about David hiding in a cave, I kind of want you to... Uh, start that for the conversation, but the reason I've been stressing this for the last few weeks, if you've been watching the Kingdom Vibes Only series, I have kept on talking about God has to deal with that man, the man. God is always going to call Adam first because we can't expect to change the world until we first have changed men, okay? So we have to understand, as I was just like, okay, God, what's something that we could start this conversation with? Um, I think many of us know that Adam was the first man, and God said it is not good for man to be alone. And so I really begin to think about that because I think we have to understand that Adam was not a broken man, yeah. okay? Yeah. Adam was not a broken man. This is a man that had communion with God, so much so to where he knew the sound of God walking through the garden, the cool of the day. He didn't mistake that for a gorilla. He didn't mistake that for a giraffe. He was so close with God that he knew his sound. And so I was like, okay, what, what, what do you mean it's not good for man to be alone? And I think the revelation that God was really revealing to me is there's a principle that man cannot do without woo man, and that is he can't be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. So this is confirmation for anybody asking, is this the one? Is, is this God's will? Ever since you came into his life, has something multiplied? <laughs> he was already faithful, but ever since you arrived, it multiplied. He already was killing it, but ever since you came along, it multiplied. It's not as though you helped him reach a place that he was not. He was already there. You just helped add to what he already carried. Does this make sense? So, Will, let's have this conversation, man. We were talking, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, just... man. Uh, the... Even going back to Adam, the beautiful part about it is, because we were talking earlier, and I think a lot of... People don't think kings exist because a lot of kings are still hiding in caves. Um, we look at David and how he was on the run from Saul and he went and hid in the cave of, of Adullam. And the city of Adullam actually means hiding place. So he was in a hiding place, in a hiding place. And he was so fearful about the ramifications of his calling. Right, because David didn't do anything wrong yeah. other than being called. And his calling was a threat to the sitting king 
which made him retreat from his own uh, kingness and his own kingdom ability to step into it. So he went hid in a cave. But it's funny that you said it about Adam because I think that the first cave was actually in the garden. Wow. Come on, come on. That when he ate of the tree, he went and found a hiding place. He hid, he hid, he hid. And, and, the, be and, and the beauty in God's presence is that he came looking for him. But I think men have been so accustomed, it's been ingrained in us to run and hide in places of turmoil, in places, we're not wired emotionally, right? And I know a lot of women, you look, if you date, you know, you, you, husbands and wives, you look at you be like, why don't you just, we're not wired that way, right? So we don't, a lot of times we don't have the mechanisms to express what we feel, so we just react. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we react by retreating. Wow. So we retreat as a reaction because I can go protect myself in my cave and not have to really deal with the feelings that I'm unprepared to facilitate the, 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 the journey through, right? So David goes, hides into the cave of Adullam, and like most men, well, I can't tell you how many times I went and hid in a cave after stepping out of a place of performance. Because we get so accustomed to, as a man, you got to provide, right? As a man, you got to lead, you got to establish, you got to do all of these things. But after what you do is done, you're left with who you are. Yeah. Come on. So then I come out of what I do, and because I don't like who I am, I go run to my cave. Come on. So I operate in pieces of a king and never step into being a king fully and i think i really think a lot of it is we have pieces of kings because you can identify when somebody steps into it it's like okay yeah yeah you i see it on your life but because we haven't done the dirty work of really dealing what's in this cave yeah i can't really step into yeah. it and, and fulfill it for real and it's funny that he was running from someone that was sitting on the throne that was occupying his seat. Wow. Yeah, talk, bro. So he's running from someone who's occupying his seat and he's afraid of what he might do because he hasn't recognized who he is. So I go hide in my cave because I haven't recognized the power that I walk in. I haven't recognized who God has called me to be and I get comfortable in this cave because I can hide from myself. There's, it's dark in the cave, so I don't have to look at myself. I don't have to see my imperfections. Like, so many years I was serving and leading and hiding at the same time. Yeah. Because I could step out and do what you need and lead you. But then after you get to where you're going, now I got to be left with me. I want, to, I want to say something, too, um, and I'm going to just be honest. Trying to keep together the perception of who you are is exhausting. Come on, bro. And men, see, when we say we're visual creatures, it's not just certain things we like to see. Yeah. It's also how we like to be seen. Yes. All right? And, and you, you have to get this. This is about to get some ugly stuff. Yeah. I think this is why we don't like talking. This is why we don't like expressing ourselves. 
because I don't even like the person I am in the dark. So why would I shine the light on what I don't like with you? So let, let, let's go a little bit deeper. The real question is this, because I know a lot of sisters say things like, I want you to talk, I want you to open up, I want you to be vulnerable, I want to know, just tell me, I don't want to surface, I want, all, I want to know all of it, I want to know the deep stuff, right? Here's the question that I want you to ask yourself. If I tell you the truth Can you about who I am for real in the cave, will you still respect me after I tell you? Will I still be viewed as a king after I tell you what I'm really struggling with in the dark? Will you, real res- will you still respect me as your husband in the morning when I reveal to you all my weaknesses, all my flaws? Or will you treat me out of who I am in the cave? Wow. And I've been running from that myself. So why would I share that with you? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Y'all give me a And um, I want to add to that, that, that idea. I, maybe, I hope I'm not deviating too much, but you guys touched on something really, really big that I believe that a lot of men deal with. I think uh, in the garden we saw Mm. the serpent came with a question. God had already established who Adam was, and he did that with a statement. And I think once you depart from the statement, all that's left is for you to live under question. Did God really say, Mm. am I really, am I this, can I be? And I think it's such a dangerous place. And I think many men who have not dealt with their issues are living in this, you're, you're calling this a running away, it's this escapism, but I also call it self-defense. So what you're seeing is not, we talked about this at our, our yeah. joint, what yeah. you're seeing is not their personality, not the fullness of who they are. What you're seeing is the protected perception. Like I'm protecting what I really am and I'm giving you what I need you to see because I can't afford to show me and I, I, I talk about this thing called emotional chemotherapy. And we understand mm. that chemotherapy is the process in which, you know, a lot of cancer patients undergo so that they could kill the bad cancerous cells. But we also know that it, that process of radiation is, is a harsh process against the body. So in the process of trying to kill bad cells, it also compromises good cells. Wow. And this is what we do emotionally when we try to overcompensate with a, by our own means on not recognizing what we're going through and trying to kind of overcompensate with our behavior and our habits. What's happening is while trying to, I don't ever want to feel weak again. Come on. So I'm going to go angry. I'm going to just be angry and I'm going to be intimidating or, 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 or I'm going to shut down because I can't afford to be weak. And so it's a trigger. I don't know if it's being strong. I don't know if it's being macho. You call it macho. You saying I'm being mean. I'm just running away from being weak. Man. And so many men are wow. escaping and, and playing self-defense because they can't afford to feel abandoned again. They can't mm. afford to feel like their heart is broken again. They can't afford to feel like no one is listening. No one loves them. And so they're retreating. And they don't even realize that they're putting up these guards but it's emotional chemotherapy. They're attacking good cells while trying to kill bad ones. It's this, it's this cycle that a lot of men are in. And they could be 50, they could be 60, they could be 70 and wow. stuck in that cycle. Wow. So you just gonna look at me. <laughs> well, let, let me, I just wanna tag on that, that one part that you said is that we try, to, we try to protect ourselves from being weak. In essence, what we are doing is protecting our pain. So, and let me add on that, and yeah. that's, that's the definition of a trigger. A trigger is an unhealed wound. And so when we experience 
in our childhood, father not saying good job or someone abandoning us, then we feel neglected and rejected or whatever that experience is, you kept saying again, you know, and so I don't want to feel weak again because I had a girlfriend or I had a mom who said, boy, stop crying or daddy, stop crying or, or, or your daddy said, stop crying. So we have a wound that is unhealed. Hmm. And so what a trigger is, is you taking that wound and you insulating it with any and everything you can so that whenever you feel something that reminds you of that thing, you have it protected. And what you do, when you become defensive or when you fight or when you retreat, what you're doing is protecting the trigger because I do not want to feel weak again. On, I do bro. not want to feel rejection again. I do not want to feel that thing again. And so we all have triggers, right, Dave? I promise you, you have a trigger, but the trigger is just a wound that I refuse to heal, yeah. right? And so, and I think what's important that we, that we all have hit on is talking about hiding. You're right with David, but you're right also that it really happened in the garden because when they did what they did, the very shame and guilt was born in the garden. Shame is a sin. It is not of God. And so the very first thing we do when we feel shame is we retreat and hide. That's what Adam, that's what Eve did. And another thing, and, and that's what we do even as men. And we're the one who are the leaders. So I'm leading in the shame. I'm leading in the retreat. I'm leading in the hiding. But it's another thing that Adam did that fascinated me when God revealed it to me. The entire time that the devil is talking to Eve, when you look closer at the text, Adam was right there. And not one time did he open his mouth and say anything. He didn't interject. He just let it happen. So he was silent when he should have been talking and speaking up. So what some of the things that we experience today, even as men, didn't start with my daddy or with me. No, this comes from the garden. The shame, the hiding, the silence when I should be speaking. But the, but the truth of the matter is, God called men to be leaders in the ministry of nakedness, vulnerability. Wow. That's good, bro. What we do, what we do is, this is what we do. We open our mouths, and I'm going to hand it back to you. And we say, oh, men, which is wired like this, oh, men, and we give us a pass. No, no, no. When you read chapter 2, verses 25, it says both Adam and Eve were both naked. When they were naked, that's when their marriage was at its best. When they both were naked, but who was naked first? Adam was. Yeah. Eve came to the, gar to the garden, and Adam was the one who had to lead her and to teach her certain things. He led in the ministry of nakedness. This is how we do this. So I'm good, vulnerable. Man. This is who I am. In the garden, Adam was vulnerable. A man is supposed to. Now, culture would tell us, man, no, you're not supposed to be this. No, Bible teaches us that Adam he led in the ministry of nakedness. So I have a responsibility to teach my wife, this is how you be vulnerable. I cry in front of her, she receives me. I show her when I'm tired, she receives me. I got something going on and I'm afraid to tell her, but I'm going to tell her hopefully she receives me. Then all of a sudden, she starts to do the very thing that I was cultivating sharing with me what she's afraid of, sharing with me where she, her shortcomings because I'm cultivating 
nakedness. So men good, have a responsibility to lead naked. But when we don't and we say, no, you know, I, I'm, I'm not emotional. I don't talk. You know, then we're perpetuating the very things that happen in the garden. And we have to be able to get back to that. But there's obstacles, of course, yeah. culture and other things we'll talk about. But but man, that's good, man. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? Cultivate nakedness. That's, I'm so grateful just to have this conversation, man, because it's so needed. And Isaac, man, I, I, I'm, I'm almost speechless, man, just of what you said, because it's backwards. Yeah. Come on. Right now it's backwards. It's her trying to get him to be naked. Yeah. Come on. But the Come only on. time he wants to be naked is sexually. in the bed. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I know how to be naked sexually, but I don't know how to be naked in transparency. Come on. Is it possible because he was hiding and he, because he created his own covering? Is that possible that God almost didn't recognize him the way he designed him? Hey, what you, what, Adam, where are you? I didn't teach I you. I, no, I, I didn't, didn't teach, teach you, you how to cover your. I didn't teach you to live in shame. I Talk. didn't teach you how to hide. Come that's on. why I said, who, 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 I didn't. That's this not, is, that's not this is not how I created you. I didn't create you to be in shame. I didn't create you to hide. I didn't create you to be silent. I created you to talk, to lead, to speak, speak things into your wife that she doesn't yet see right now. I need you to be able to do all these things, not just live quietly, silently Man. in shame, but that's what we do now, and we get away with it. And so that's why things are so backwards. And the devil don't, the devil ain't had to do nothing. We're still perpetuated. Come on. And that's why. The, to, to your point that now the only time men want to be naked is in the same place that they find their value in performance. Come on. Dude. I can leave. I can go down there and now, just... Now, I don't want to get naked when I can perform because I have disconnected from the true aspects of who I was before I put on... Yes what hides me from my nakedness. Yes. And, and, and what's so crazy too, going back to the point, is that when he was standing there Bruh. next to Eve with the serpent, what that lets me know is that Adam had a level of comfortability Come on. with the serpent. Because if I see you as a threat, I will address it. Hmm. But then, then maybe I've already had secret conversations with him. Come on. So now my, my, I become desensitized. So now when you come talk to her, I'm cool because we already been kicking it. it could but be simultaneously, the comfort that was now a window of comfort that was open, right? The window of comfort or the door of comfort that was open with the enemy now it's flipped, and now he's hiding from the only one that could help him. Come on. And so now you yeah. have men in situations where, why are they not in church? Well, because that's the place that they could get help. Yeah. Why are they not with good yeah. women? Because that's the place where they could get help. And you, and you know what? It's making sense. Sick, but look, don't want to go to the hospital. Now, look, look, here's the revelation that just hit me. Like, this just hit me like fresh. You can keep the pillow, baby. This is the, this, this the revelation that just hit me. Jesus died naked. Oh. Like, that just hit me. I yeah. was about to stand up, too. Yeah, yeah. So, Adam, the first Adam, once sin came in, he covered it. Come on. Yeah. Jesus, the second Adam, to free us from sin, died naked. Hey. It's not like what you see on TVN and cloth. He was naked. Yeah. I'm trying to get you back to this place. I'm trying to get it's you so back hard. to me. And you know what? And, 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 and This is good. I feel it, just, it y'all. This, this is good. Come on. 
I agree that you know he had a level of comfortability. He could have had a level of comfortability with the serpent. I also believe it could be that he only recognized he recognized the serpent. The serpent had been around, of course, but he didn't recognize or he didn't discern that the serpent wasn't just an ordinary serpent. But now this yeah. is Satan. So he. There's a level of a lack of discernment that perhaps he just didn't he didn't even see what was going on. And so a man has to be able to see. He has to be able to discern. And so he's right here seeing what's going on, but he's just not even recognizing it. And what is it like to be in a marriage or a relationship with a man who can't see? A man who can't discern. A man who can't recognize that. No, that's actually a threat. You become comfortable. No, that's a threat for your marriage. That's a threat for your purity, right? That's a threat, and you need to be able to speak, bind, rebuke, and turn that thing away, right? Yeah. Or, or, I'm sorry. Or, what if Adam was using Eve as a test drive? Let me see if she really does surely die. Because I'm hearing her say, I'm hearing the snake say, God, come on, man. God knows when you eat this, you're going to be like him. Now, Adam had that relationship beforehand. What if maybe that continued from generation to generation? We have men seeing what's going to happen if you do this. Mm -hmm. I want to see what your outcome is. Well, I then could discern if I'll do it too. Yeah. So just perhaps after he saw her eat yeah. the fruit and nothing happened, oh, so y'all so just, so, so just good. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. So, so seeing, <laughs> seeing Eve do it, and there was a lack of response from God. I then associated my experience with God through the lenses of someone else's. Yeah. So then I approach God not from my own relationship, but what I see happen in her. And then now I am no longer leading. I'm actually trying to, 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 to follow in the footsteps of the one who's actually supposed to be led by me. So I'm trying to, that's so good, bro, because I'm trying to facilitate leadership from a following standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to backseat drive. Listen, I, I'm going to be very honest with you. If you ride with me, I don't like it if you backseat drive it. Like, if you're trying to tell me, I don't, if you're in the back, well, you need to turn that. Okay, let me pull over and call you an Uber real quick. Because I'm driving. Woo! So I'm driving, and nine times out of ten, I'm plugged into my GPS. Yeah. So even though you may know a way to get there, what I'm looking at is telling me the way that I actually need to go. It's going to take me around traffic. It's able to discern uh, construction up ahead. And whenever I stop listening to the GPS and start hearing the voices and following the actions of other people, I then come off of my throne as a king and I make myself common among the people. And I can't even be effective on the same level. Yeah. So a lot of times my impact is being minimized by my inability to stay aligned with the one who gave me the initial instruction. Yeah, talk, man. It's yeah. the initial because, and that's, that's really the fight for a lot of kings, if we're being honest. Holding on to the initial instruction. Mm. It's what God told you, but then now you have to, going back to David. He was anointed king as a young boy, 
and had to go back to sheep. So you get anointed, you get the initial instruction, and a lot of people go back to sheep and lose complete sight of the throne. So I never make it back into the, and that's why God has to take us through all of these gauntlets, the lion, the bear, to set you up for Goliath because you got so focused on sheep yeah. that you abandoned the initial instruction. And we, and we can't reign as king if we don't have clear direction because then anything that we're building without direction is now dysfunctional. Yeah, that's good. This is so good, man. I just want to, uh, oh, you're about no, to you, you, you get No, no I'm, I'm getting it in my head. Yeah, I'm still kind of, you know, I've been, God has been really doing something. We've been doing Band of Brothers and we've been bringing brothers together yeah. and there's been so much healing. Uh, but Something that I have noticed, we, can, we, can we get deep? Yeah. yeah. In the, this area of identity, sexuality, all of those things have been big issues for men. Yeah. And I, was, I had really been struggling, like, God, why do so many men have such horror stories in relation to, you know, what had happened and how they seen it, saw themselves or whatever, you know, yeah. before 16, like between the ages of five and 16, the horror stories yep. that men have that you ain't heard, yeah. yep. that you'd be, so, you be shocked to hear, yeah. all took place at those tender ages. I'm like, but what does the devil have to do with these boys and how they see themselves and sexuality and all that stuff. What is this thing, man? Why? And I think it, it, it boils back to what um, uh, Pastor Jerry was saying in the beginning. God has this inclination. He has a desire to see himself again, especially for foremost in men, man first. When he created man, he created man in his image. I love how um, um, Will says it. He says, he consulted the Trinity, it was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he poured all of himself within to man, and man reflects the image yeah. of the full God. And so Adam began as a whole man. Yeah. And so what happens when a whole man reproduces a whole man? You have more whole men, and what happens? God, is, God has an opportunity to be seen again every time an image of him is seen. That's so powerful, man. God has an opportunity. You have an opportunity to see brilliance of God. You got the opportunity to see the creativity, the ingenuity, the kindness, and the favor of God every time you look at one of his images. But what happens when there is a crack in the image? What happens when the image is contaminated? The ideas that flow from that image, the thought process, the desires the ambitions of that image then becomes distorted. You had a whole series about discernment. I believe one of the enemy's greatest drives right now is to make men of God and men of condemnation indistinguishable. Wow. I believe Satan... That's so good. In that Matthew, uh, I can't remember where, where it is, where... And when that, while they slept, the enemy came and sowed tares or weeds among the wheat. Yeah. Why? Like, 
Why do you, but why you have to choose something that look alike? So that when you have an experience with someone that wears the title image of God and experience contaminated fruit, contaminated behavior, contaminated ideas, then every time you think of not just image of God, but when you think of God himself, you have a flawed understanding of God. It's so powerful, man. He doesn't want less men in church. That was just like, man, praise God. I didn't even expect that to happen. I just want you to wear the name, but act something different than the one that you wear. I just, wear the suit. Keep the beard. Say hallelujah. Just live like me. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think that, like, the all of it is centered around that. I want to talk about this. Because yeah. you can't reproduce what you want. You reproduce who you are. Yeah, That's true. So if I can plant enough in the house to reproduce toxic masculinity and reproduce men who are uh, unavailable emotionally and reproduce men who are prone to repeating cycles of mental, emotional, physical abuse then I'm really, then it, it, Satan's job has become so much easier because he can sit back and allow those tainted images to carry the, it, and here's, whew, it started in heaven. When Lucifer was reflecting the image of God, but wanted to take a piece of that glory for himself, it then tainted what he was trying to reflect. So then God had to banish him because I can't have you close in proximity and taint my reflection. And a lot of times then our distance from God is God saying, hey, I need you to work on your reflection so that when you come close, I can, I can reflect myself from a pure standpoint. I want to give you all of That's me from a good. pure standpoint. But until we as kings start to deal with the reflection that we are running from in our caves, yeah. we can never get to a place where we can reflect God. There's, there's two things with that, and that's so absolutely powerful. I think of Ezra 8, and I think of Exodus 2. But focusing primarily on Exodus 8 in that you're right about so many of us have stories. Mine started at six, right? That's when I was introduced to sex, you know, by an older, you know, female member of, of you know, the extended family, right? And so I'd been struggling in bondage of that, you know, my whole life until a year and a half ago, right? Now... The thing is, though, majority of us have stories. So when we talk about, you know, getting back to that, most men are like, but how? Yeah. Right? But I hear that, but how? Like, I hear that, that in theory, that, that makes sense, but I'm like, how do I get in this image? And I think of Ezra 8. Why? Because they had been in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And what is absolutely phenomenal about Ezra chapter 8 is that Ezra is now assigned to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild. And so they had been in bondage. That's the operative word, bondage. Okay. 
They had been in bondage for 70 years. They forgot their identity. They don't necessarily know who they are. Some of them have never seen Jerusalem before, but they're going back to rebuild. What does Ezra do? He galvanized Ezra chapter uh, 8 verses 1. He galvanized all of the heads of the household, all of the men. He gathered not, not women, not children, but men. And 1,496 men said, yes, we will go back and we will lead our families out of bondage. All we know is bondage, but we're going to lead our families out of bondage. And what did they do? They prayed on their way back. They worshiped. When, when Ezra realized he didn't have any Levites, any worshipers among them, he said, no, we need some men who are going to help us to worship because we got to worship where we're going. We're going to lead our families out of bondage. We got to pray. We got to worship. We got to fast. He declared a fast, and so these men are fasting on their way out of bondage. And the Bible says that there were also men of discernment. They had men who were able to discern. So coming out of bondage, these men are now willing to lead. You know what? I know I had a horror story. I know I've lived most of my life in bondage, but there is a way to now produce and get closer to the Lord. Okay, we're going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to ask God for discernment. And we're going to make sure that we build a covenant among ourselves, other brethren, to keep us accountable. So there is a way to be able to lead out of your old story. You see what I'm saying? So like an Ezra chapter 8 does that for us, right? So it is a possible. I know that many of us have these stories, these hurts, these wounds. I myself, but when I see that, I say, oh. There is hope, and this is how I do this as a man. Again, we're going to lead. We know what we've been through, but we're going to lead our families. We're going to lead our children. We're going to lead our wives. I know I never saw a healthy relationship. I know I've never seen, I'm talking to my own self, a healthy marriage, a marriage in my own uh, family. But you know what? That was my past, but I'm going to do something different. There is a different story, and so this is how I do things differently. I'm going to come out of bondage and I'm going to leave my family and my lineage and my bloodline out of bondage. Well, can I say one thing to that? Just one thing to that. I know there are a lot of women that are listening, women in the audience and women are listening abroad. Um, I just want to say this. It sounds like, okay, but why are you talking to us about this? I I I just want you to know this. You can help. And this is, and this is, and this is, this is why I say that. Oftentimes, there are a lot of foolish people that do a lot of foolish things. Yeah. But I'll say this. We can't simply be reactive to people who are reactive. Yeah. I'm going to try to say that again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A broken person tried to break you. Yeah. You get it? Why? Because that was a broken person. Right. And they tried to break you. And they're not successful because you're here and you're listening to this. So what... So what won't help is for you to exacerbate or make that situation worse by simply saying, you're terrible, you're bad, but instead, yeah, you're broken. I'm going to my knees to pray for you and the generation that's coming after you because we don't need none of this. What doesn't help is for you to person, I'm not gonna person, that's what I realized when I was young and I got cheated on by my 11th grade girlfriend, 
personalize it. I was like, how can someone do this to me? She was broken. She didn't know how to handle my heart. And so am I going to take that to the grave and personalize? That's so selfish. I could have been praying for her and her generations. Lord, I pray that she sees you in a way. Encounter her. Somehow, even if it's through me, God, I want her to meet the real you. Because what's not going to help is you just crying yourself to sleep, personalizing it. It just keeps on hurting me. Everybody keeps on hurting me. Forget that. I'm never going to be in a relationship again. That's what we do. I forget that. I'm never going to date in my race again. Or, or, or forget, forget men all in general. Like, Stop being reactive to reactive people and start running to the feet of God. And you know, and, and, and I want to jump in on that, is that to, to those points of the how, because I can list my trauma from an early age in terms of sexual when older women preyed on, on me. Come on. And I can list the traumas that I had in churches yeah. and in relationships where I thought if I could just love enough and give come enough on. and be good enough that I would be accepted. But it's the, the how do I get to the place of leading out of bondage, leading out of discernment, is I get back to the place that Jesus did and, and nakedness, but I can't get naked until I die. Come on. And a lot of men, let me say this, I'll say this to, to the women. A lot of men are scared to die because they are, the, there is a fear there that after I die, I won't have anyone to help me with my resurrection. Good. Good, so I, I, I would rather stay alive broken than to die alone. Talk. Listen. So it's the it's the it's it's creating spaces where I can say, you know what, this is a safe place. This is this is what the church should be, yes, sir. Yeah. where you can come here and feel free to die. And on. when I die here, I won't have people mocking me on the cross. On. I won't have people piercing yes. me in my side. I won't have people spitting on me and throwing things at me and hanging signs over me of what I did. Oh my God. I can come here and die and know that when God brings me back, that people will identify with the resurrected me and not the me that died here. And a lot of times, if we're being very honest, that in relationships, people are scared to die because people will keep reminding you of the living broken you. Wow. You could die, you could heal, you can be a new person, and someone is always going to tell you, you remember when you used to? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. You used to, oh, you, you that, you're this, and instant, and instant, and, and I'll speak for myself, is because even in times where I've taken a step out of, when there was a reminder there, those default mechanisms quickly tried to rise. And I protected my pain because I got comfortable there because I had lived my life. That's, that's the part two, is that what you can't discount is how many years someone has spent in their cave. Yeah. 
So to you, it may be like, and that's, that's the beautiful part when people walk and it, it takes a different level of love to, to love someone after they are coming out of a cave. Because you, when you turn on a light after being asleep, your vision is blurry. You're trying to focus. So your propensity or your, the probability of you bumping into stuff, knocking stuff over, is high because you're trying to see. And if you have lived your entire life, which a lot of men have, in caves, when you come out and you're trying to see, yeah. you're, the, it's, it's, it's going to be a process. Yeah. And it takes the love of Christ. Yeah. And, you, and this is how you got to figure out if this is where you're called to. Because it, it goes beyond if you're cute. Yeah. Come on. It goes beyond if, you're, if, he's, if he's making Bro. six figures. Come on. It goes beyond if he's successful. And here, here's the danger in doing that. It's dangerous to choose a man based on his status, his influence, his audience. Because check this. Kings and clowns draw the same amount of attention. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> Serious. When a king comes in, people take notice. When a clown comes in with all the makeup, with the big shoes, with the red nose, people take notice. And you'd be surprised at how many times a king will lose his influence because a clown showed up. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are not called to this king or to this space, when they are trying to come out of a clown state and they start taking off the wig and start taking off the nose and start wiping the makeup, if you can only identify with the clown and never be able to speak to the king, you will always get the clown. Yeah. Because he is scared to die to become a king because everybody for my entire life has known me as a clown. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so, yeah, and enjoy the clown. And so it's like we speak native tongue in circus. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to. So like what, what was hitting me, what was just really hitting me is kings still exist. The problem is they're dressed. addressed and so the process to get us to experience kingdom men again is for them to get naked this is why a few like it was like two weeks ago I gave a message on where are the midwives and we were speaking about how the ladies you can contribute to this too Sifra and Pua are people that hardly nobody knows about who the heck is that those are the women that when Pharaoh said listen when there is a Hebrew woman when she's giving birth to a son, kill it. These were the women who said, I'm not going to kill what the enemy is already trying to kill. I'm going to rebel against Pharaoh. And maybe the issue is we have been listening to Pharaoh so much so that when a king is trying to be born, we don't even know how to protect it. All we know how to do is kill it. Because culture teaches us, you don't cry, you don't do all that, you all yeah. soft. That's the Pharaoh-type mindset. Yeah. That's the Pharaoh type mindset. All of it's coming back to me. This is Bible all day. When the woman got caught in the act of adultery, I'm like, was she naked or not? Yeah. We don't know. She was caught in the act, so I'm thinking she in there doing her thing and just got snatched. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if she liked this before the crowd. This is also the reminder of shame before the king. And the king is saying, okay, while all of y'all are shaming her, how many of you have shameful things in caves? And if you don't have nothing shameful in a cave, you can go ahead and stone her. But if all of y'all have something shameful too, y'all should just drop your rocks and walk away. Jesus. Woo! 
walk away. Look how the king handles shame. And so then it's like, okay, Jesus, but she sinned, though. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm going to pay for that in a few days, though. You see what I'm saying? We don't even bother that part that the man wasn't there. He was doing his thing, too. Mm. And it is still happening today. We're shaming her, but many times dismissing him. Yeah. Yeah. Come get me, bro. Come get me, bro. Let let me. (laughs) I don't. I don't want to touch any of that for the record. I'm not touching any of that. That's all the revelation. I want to, just for a quick moment, because you said something to uh, Ezekiel about the how, and you, you started talking about like the how and you know what a woman can do and the shame and, and everything. And, and that's what, when I was talking to the Lord about this, he had said, look at you know, Exodus 2, you know, Moses' mother recognized she had something special. Yeah. And when she could no longer hide, when he was growing too big, she had to now put him in a basket and she placed him in obscurity where nobody could recognize. Walks away. But who recognizes this king in the making but a queen? Queen comes alone. She recognizes from afar. There is a man that is not yet developed, a king that is not yet developed because I'm sorry to tell you right now and to blow your mind, I'm still developing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking at me, say, I want, I want my man. You, talk to my wife. She right there. She'll let you know he's still developing. But listen, so here you have Moses, who she recognizes needs developing. The problem is this. Most of the kings you're looking for are still in hiding. They're in obscurity because they are underdeveloped. They're still developing. And what happens? She helps. This is, now, now, now this is where you, I need you to pay attention. She nurtures this king. And a woman, a queen has to be able to nurture without becoming a nurse. That's your language. She has to be able to speak to him without becoming a therapist. She has to be able to help to build him up without making him a home improvement project. Because he cannot become, Moses cannot become the king, the leader that he was, unless there was a queen also helping. So she, the queen, and other women, I'm just saying, play a role. It's not, if you, if you think that my wife, when she looked at me and said, you're a good man. I'm a what? A, a what? You're a good man. Why am I getting teary-eyed and weeping at the fact that my wife called me a good man? Because my entire life, I, don't, I have a whole lot of friends, very few friendships, know a lot of people. But I hadn't had at the time anybody really to tell me, you're a good man. Not because of something you did, not because you preached a good sermon, not because you gave somebody some, some money or anything. I want to speak into your life of what I see. And when my wife, 
was able, before she was my wife, able to speak that into me. That helps the king in me to rise up. I'm in obscurity. Why do I say obscurity? Because I was engaged in 2011. And then what I, I was, it was so much, I had bad credit, sleeping on my mama's couch, got master's degrees, none of that matter. I was still in obscurity. My wife, at the time, she meets me. I'm still sleeping on the couch. Credit shot to the curb. Ain't working in the church. Don't really, I, I can't tell you what five years going to look like. But that wasn't a real, she didn't become a, a nurse. She didn't try to make me a home improvement project. But she obviously saw something in obscurity. And she was able not to become a nurse, but to help to nurture along the way. And what I'm saying is, some of us, the problem with many queens is that you think kings come pre-packaged like ramen noodles. The problem is, what you see here, what you see here, what you see here, I promise you it didn't come pre-packaged. Not at all. There is still development that needs to happen. And when I hear women a lot talking about what I need a kingdom man, I need a kingdom man. That's cool. Great. But what if he has still has some wounds? What if he's still in obscurity? What if he's underdeveloped in certain areas? Is that oh, like is that a, is that like a deal breaker? Like, you know, and can you be with him instead of trying to be everything and make him into something you want him to be? I, I'll stop there. Because the difference is. The difference is that your wife didn't just have sight, she had vision. She didn't just see where you were then, she saw where you were headed. And so if you, if you, if you're, if you don't have the ability to see past the present and, and, and see the, the possibilities of what purpose can develop into, you will always make a misjudgment on, on an instant See, and that's the thing. We see right now, God sees in a minute. Which is why whenever we go to him and we're praying by right now, he's like, chill out. Because you, you see right here. I see right here. I see down there. Yeah. This is going to work out. I know it hurts. I know it's difficult. But I, if you just chill, I'm telling you what I see. So when I say you're a good man to you, it's like, what? what? No, chill out. I'm telling you what I see. Yeah. And being able to see past the moment is crucial especially when you're walking with the king because a lot of times here's the thing scripture talks about how god hears the prayers of the wife how he listens to her so a lot of times in 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 being reactive and trying to address the king we don't even use the the one weapon that you have the most power in is going to god come on because going if you go to god god will go to him come on so and th and then I, I wanted to say i wanted to speak to um, and, and then I'm, uh, I'll pass it on, is that when you were talking about um, judging and how the man wasn't even, and it's funny how men brought a woman before man. Yeah. It wasn't even the women that went and got her. Yeah. Wow. The mm -hmm. men got, a group of men yeah. went and grabbed this one woman yeah. who probably they had experiences with to take them <laughs> before man. And it's funny how men gather to, to to push this toxic message, but it all goes back to the cave. When David went into the cave, it said that 400 men came into the cave with him. Yeah. 
they were all in trouble, they were all in debt, or they were all in this place of toxicity, and they came and developed these cave characteristics. Wow. Yeah. And brothers who come together, and kings, when they come and they meet in caves, and they don't have someone who is able to help guide them out, they will fortify these cave characteristics. And then they have strength in numbers. And a lot of times, I always say, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. We get so attached to this idea of what a king should look like because of what culture says what kings should be. So now we get attached to this and we, I love social media, but it has become this, this toxic breeding ground of improper toxic perception of what bodies should look like, what relationships should look like, what men should look like. And it's not until we start having more of these moments where men can come and die here and be naked that we can say, okay, cool. Even if I come into a cave and we meet here, I have enough discernment to know that this is not where we're supposed to stay. And that, and, and not even that we're not just supposed to stay, this is not where we're supposed to build. I can't build in a cave. It automatically caps my capacity. So I have to come out and I have to be willing to let go of those safe, dark places. Because it, I'll say this and I'll shut up. A lot of times the darkness becomes safe. And we could look at people and people judge and it's like, how are you doing it? How? Because that's safe. Because I've, I've developed an entire life in this space. Yeah. I, I, I watched the movie Dark Knight Rises um, with Bane and Batman, right? And just this one line, if you haven't seen it. And there was this child who was born in this dark prison underground. He happened to escape. Batman had to go through the same process. He came out and he said to him, he said, you merely adopted the dark. Yeah. I was born in it. And a lot of times when you're born in darkness, darkness is safe. So I'll just say that is at the same time when you're men, women, boys, girls, it doesn't matter. You gotta be careful how you treat how people view their darkness. Because if it's the only life I've ever known, your light is foreign to me. Because I have lived in darkness my whole life. Yeah, yeah. Let's stand, I just feel like this is a moment. Everybody, we can stand. I just feel like this is a moment um, for us to pray. Will, I want you to pray because, you know, this, you're a powerhouse, man. Um, but there's so much. Was this good, y'all? There's so much that, that went forth. And um, I love, everybody had just tremendous points. I love, Isaac, what you said of, of, the, of the, I'm not going to be a nurse, but I'm a nurturer. I love that. And I think that what has happened many times is we can't identify kings because we're dressed. And culture, just think about our outfits. How many names do you have on you? (laughs) How many names you have on you? A G-Shock name, a Jordan name. We have all these names on us to where we don't even know his name. We don't know him for ourselves. And so when we have conversations and series about kingdom vibes only it starts with being naked again 
That's it. It starts with being naked again. And for my sisters, please don't let your current loneliness make you try to nurture a fool. Okay? Vision. Vision. Not just bringing because I'm lonely. Do I even have the gift and the grace to help? And for all the men on the sound of my voice and everybody watching online, God is saying, I need you to get naked. I need you to get naked. That's the only way. The same way I came and I died naked. I need you to die naked. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. So, Will, let's pray and then we're going to be done. I just feel God in this moment. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. Yes, Lord. We thank you for an opportunity to come here and strip down. Yes, Father. God, we thank you because you are strong enough to deal with our imperfections. Yes. You are strong enough to meet us in our points of trauma and hurt. You are wise enough to know exactly what to do to facilitate our breakthrough. So God, we just honor you for this moment and we ask you first and foremost to forgive us, God. Forgive us for the times you tried to pull us out of our caves and we resisted you. Forgive us for the times you even came into our cave and we turned our backs on you. Forgive us for the times we heard you calling and we plugged our ears because we chose darkness over your light. Yes. Forgive us for protecting our pain and not allowing you in to do what you do. God, forgive us. And in this moment now, Father God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would sweep the room, that it would sweep the airwaves, that it would sweep through social media, that it will sweep through everyone that is watching and that will watch and that will ever partake. That in this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would sweep in and that you would allow your breath to call us out of our caves into a place where we are free to die in this place of nakedness, God. Help us to be vulnerable. Help us to expose the hurt that we keep trying to hold on to, God. Help us to release the things that people have done for. I release a spirit of forgiveness in this place. Yes, Lord Jesus. We rebuke the spirit of unforgiveness for every trauma, every hurt, every letdown, every disappointment. We rebuke it and we cast it down in the name of Jesus. Satan, the Lord rebuke you and the blood of Jesus be against you. Let your spirit of forgiveness ring out. Let us extend the same grace that you have extended to us, God. Help us to pour out that same forgiving heart that you give to us daily because we don't want to be trapped in the prisons of our trauma anymore. We don't want to be trapped in the caves of our hurt and our disappointment, God. We want to be free to walk into where you have called us to be. So God, allow your spirit right now to come in and infiltrate every heart, every mind, every broken place. We speak to every king that has been in hiding and we call you forth. We speak to your identity that it be redefined. We call you forth. We speak to the true essence of who God has called you to be. Adam, where are you? We call you forth. We call the true essence of purpose, the true 
essence of the plans that God has for you, to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. We call you forth out of your caves. We call you forth into deliverance, that it breaks out in this nation. Let deliverance come forth. Let it fall down like fire, God, and consume the hurt that we continue to hold on to. And I speak to those who are in the room who still are struggling with the idea of letting go the hurt. I hear you say, but you don't know what they did to me. I hear you say you don't know what happened. I was just a child. Oh, my God. I hear you say I, 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 it wasn't my fault. And I stand here today to affirm that it was not your fault. You are not responsible for what happened to you, but you are responsible for how you respond. And today, God, send strength and grace to let death be our response. Let us respond to brokenness with death. Let us respond to hurt and trauma with death that we would die here and that we would be naked because we know that we can cast our cares at your feet because you care for us. And every thought that tries to, to ring and exalt itself against the knowledge of God to tell you that God doesn't care about you and if he cared, he wouldn't have allowed it to happen, I tear down that thought and I bring it into in captivity in the name of Jesus. You are so loved by God that he orchestrated this moment in time so that he could meet you and bring deliverance and bring you out of your cave. So every king under the sound of my voice... Holy Spirit, reach into these caves, into our hiding places. Take us by our hands and walk us out into our, 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 our victory, our destiny, our deliverance. Father, let your spirit come now. You are a very present help, oh my God, in the time of trouble and every turmoil that rests on your heart, not just men, but I hear women crying who have been abused and hurt by kings who were operating from places of caves and kings who were, who were not able to step into who God has called them to be and they abused and used you because it made them feel valuable and worthy. It made them feel strong. It made them feel powerful because they were protecting their weaknesses. We speak to your hearts and we call them to be put back together. We thank you, God, for this moment of deliverance, this moment of breakthrough, this moment of reconciliation, that you are reconciling us back to you again. You are reconciling us back to you again. And this time, when we come out of the cave, Holy Spirit, let there be a supernatural avalanche to cause the entrance to be covered forever. That you would seal it even when we want to run back to it. That you would not allow us to. That even when we want to turn back and go back to the places that were comfortable. That your spirit acts as a barrier. And that we give you free reign and access here today to do what you know to do. And that's be God. The God of redemption. 
the God of restoration, the God of healing, the God of breakthrough. Everyone under the sound of my voice, simply say this one phrase, Lord, have your way. And that's by the confession of our faith, we have given you access, God. Do what you know to do to facilitate deliverance. We thank you and we honor you that lives will forever be changed from this day until our last. And the cycles, the Gilgals, the, the cycles of trauma, hurt, and abuse will not be passed on to the next generation. It stops here. It is severed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. That was awesome. I love what every brother had to contribute to the conversation. It was so, so enlightening. It was so, it was just blessed. It was just awesome. And I pray that you were blessed just as much as I was. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Whether this is your first time watching or whether you've been tuning in week after week after week, we're so glad. We're so glad that you joined us. And once again, I pray that you were blessed. So if this is your first time and you're saying, man, I need to, I need to learn more about this ministry. I, I wanna be a part of this ministry. Please text the word membership to this number below. We would love to have you be a part of our body. We would love to have you. You'll get a wonderful video that'll just tell you about everything. And let's just say this is your first time hearing anything like this before. And you're like, I don't even, I don't even have a relationship with the Lord. I want to grow in my relationship with God. I want to be saved. Well, I want you to text the word Fresh Tart to the same number below. Once again, you'll get a great video just to talk you through and what it means to give your life to Christ. And lastly, if you choose to give or if you've chosen to give into our ministry, all of our giving information is listed on the screen. Thank you for those who have given week after week and sewn into our ministry. We don't take it lightly. We appreciate it in every single seed we are using to enhance the kingdom of God on this earth. Well, listen, we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. And until Sunday, we'll see you then. Have a great night.